Thank you, Pastor. It's, it's my joy and privilege to be here once again in PCC. Uh, it's, coming back to Penang has always uh, brought fresh memories because we were here five years. Uh, this is in the 80s, right? This is in the 80s, and uh, uh, my two boys were made in Penang, right? So uh, we have always very fond memories. Still have uh, their footprints on their birth, uh, birth certificate issued by the hospital, Adventist Hospital. So this is a very special place for uh, both of us. And uh, Pastor, you didn't uh, say the involvement of uh, the Family Life and Marriage Commission. We worked together for several years, right? We were part of the uh, Assemblies of God uh, Marriage and Family Life Commission, which I enjoyed uh, serving. Uh, marriage and family is one area that we don't find a burden. My wife and I enjoy ministry uh, among families, among marriages, uh, which we are still doing now, right? We are still very much uh, doing that uh, in our present ministry. Praise the Lord. Uh, this evening, I just want to share uh, God's Word with you, taken from 2 Samuel chapter 24, verses 18 to 25, all right? 2 Samuel chapter 24, verses 18 to 25. And I'd like you to uh, follow along in the reading uh, from your Bibles, all right? I think it's important for us to read from God's Word. Uh, let's not be too dependent on the, on the uh, Scriptures being thrown to us at the, by the slides, all right? Uh, and not forget turning the pages of, of God's Word. I, I find that Christians more and more uh, you know, are relying on, 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 you know, on the slides and we read off from the slides and sometimes we don't even carry our Bibles to church. <laughs> and, uh, and so when the preacher says, I want to preach from Nahum, some of them, you know, it's like, where is Nahum? <laughs> you know, because the book is so small, you know, we don't even know where it, where it is, you know. And so uh, it's good to turn to, to the hard copy, all right? Okay, Second Samuel 24, verses 18 to 25. That day... Gad came to David and said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. So David went up to do what the Lord had commanded him. When Aruna saw the king and his men coming toward him, he came and he bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Why have you come, O Lord and king? The king, Aruna asked. David replied, I have come to buy your threshing floor and to build an altar to the Lord there so that he will stop the plague. Take it, my Lord, the king, and use it as you wish. Aruna said to David, Here are oxen for the burnt offering and you can use the threshing boards and ox yokes for wood to build a fire on the altar. I will give it to you, your majesty, and may the Lord your God accept your sacrifice. But the king replied to Arona, No, I insist on buying it, for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. David built an altar there to the Lord and sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the Lord answered his prayer for the land and the plague on Israel was stopped. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you this evening once again for the worship of your saints. That even as we have worshipped you in spirit and in truth, 
We ask, O oh God, that even now that you will bring our hearts to the attention of your word. You will subject our wandering thoughts to the obedience of Christ and you will open our understanding to your word that your word will find entrance into our hearts. That your word will take full residence to your Lord and it will cause transformation of life and spirit. I pray in the name of Jesus, dear God, that Lord, you will establish your will in the life of your people today, right now, at this 8 p.m. service. Fulfill thy will for thy people. For it's no coincidence that we are here today. We thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. In order for us to really understand verses 18 to uh, 25, we really need to uh, understand the context of this particular passage. What happened is that at the very uh, beginning of chapter 24, uh, we are told that the Lord was angry with David because he had just uh, done something that was very displeasing to the Lord. He had uh, uh, taken a census of his fighting men. You know, he counted the number of fighting men. When in reality, God actually told David that I'm going to be with you, I'm going to fight your enemies, and I'm going to win over your enemies. As long as you trust in me, you know, your battles will always be mine. Uh, the battle is the Lord. But somehow in that moment of weakness, as most of us are also flesh and blood, we will also at moments of our weakness rely on our flesh. In our moments of you know, turning away from the face of God, we will rely on our intellect. We will uh, 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 allow our knowledge, our skill, our training to take over. But when in reality, God, when He saved us, He saved us to the fact that we are to trust Him in everything. You know, whether in life, whether in career, whether in family, whether in marriage, you know, whether in parenting, every moment of our life, we are to be lived in total dependence on Him. Not at one moment are we to look at what we have, what we own, and how smart or how great we are, or how successful we are. And that's the reason why sometimes you can pray for success, but God in His wisdom, knows that it's not time for you to be successful. Because some success comes to you at a wrong time which can take your attention away from God. Some success can come to you where you can be so distracted that you can walk away from the Lord. And so here is one moment in the life of David where somehow or another, he began to trust in his numbers, the number of fighting men. And so he asked uh, Joab, which is uh, his five-star general, you know, his commander, he says, I want you to go and count the fighting men that we have. You know, and, uh, and Joab had begun with David. They fought the war together. And so Joab had that relationship with David, and Joab told David, David, you shouldn't do this. But somehow, like I say, in the moment of his pride, he says, I'm the king. You are only a five-star general. So listen to me. Listen to what I'm telling you. And so he used his position to ensure that Joab did his task, that is to count the fighting men. The army was so vast, it took about nine months and 20 days, close to 10 months. All right? So, you know, it, it, uh, uh, the counting, you know, uh, covered a vast area. So Israel and, and Judah had a total of about 1.3 million people. 
it was when the report was carried to him that they had 1.3 million people that somehow the Holy Spirit began to prompt David and begin to say to him that you are now turning your heart away from the Lord. You are beginning to trust in the numbers that you have. And David being a man that is very, very sensitive to the promptings of the Spirit, suddenly began to realize that he has sinned against God. That he had sinned against God. There are moments in our life, friends, that we must be totally aware when the conviction of the Spirit comes upon us. There are moments in our life that we must be totally obedient to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. When He promises that if we have done something wrong, we must quickly rectify our errors and return to the Lord. And return to the Lord. But we must also realize that in every error, in every sin, in every rebellion of heart and mind, there's also a consequence for us to bear. God forgives us, but there is a consequence that we have to bear. And we must always be fully ready to bear those consequences. But of course, we go to the Lord, we plead His mercy that the consequences will not be severe that the consequences will not cause us to suffer too much, that it will not be overbearing for our capacity. But remember, there are still consequences, whether it be big or small. And so the consequence that David had to go through was that God had to bring some form of judgment. And so what happens is God gave David and he asked David, you choose your own judgment. You choose. Seven years of famine. Because of the fact that you trusted in the numbers, which is 1.3 million, one of the three consequences of you walking away from God, seven years of famine. Can you imagine for those who are expecting their child? It would be terrible. They would be deaf. Children will not be able to go through the seven years of famine. The second consequence is flee three months from your enemies. Who suffers the most? It's the soldiers. They are the ones that are fighting at the front line, and they, they will have to run and hide, and, 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 and man, it is still loss of life, still suffering. And the last one is three days of plague in the land. Three days of plague in the land. Whether you like it or not, every one of these three choices, death is involved. Death is involved. But David, being wise, chose the last one. That is three days of plague in the land. And guess the number of people that died? David's choice of three days of plague resulted in the death of 70,000 in the land. 70,000. So therefore, be very, very careful with the decisions and the choices that you make in life. 
Because every choice that you make, if it is not aligned with the Word of God and the will of God, we have to be fully responsible to bear those choices and decisions that we have made. 70,000. Like a true shepherd, David asked that the punishment be upon him and his own household in 2 Samuel 24, 17, the latter portion. Let your anger fall against me and my family. Let your anger. Here is a true leader. A true leader takes care of his flock. A true leader will ensure safety for his flock. So now he's willing to sacrifice even his own family. As I was looking at the names of all the church, the new church members there, I noticed that uh, there is a cell leader's name that was listed below. You have an ro- awesome responsibility because you are a shepherd over that flock. And as a leader, you are to protect that flock. You are, you are to tend that flock. And David had this heart for his sheep. Because who was David? David was a shepherd boy. David's rise to the role of a king began as a shepherd boy. He knows how to tend the flock. He knows how to protect his flock. He knows how to feed the flock. But yet, the Lord did not accept David's offer, but instead instructed David was instructed to erect an altar on the threshing floor of Arona the Jebusite. He was instructed to erect an altar. An altar is a place of union. An altar is a place of renewal. An altar is a place of reconciliation. You see, he knew that he had departed from God's will. And the consequence was 70,000 lives lost. And in order to rectify and to make amends for his mistake, God now says, hey, build an altar. Thank God that he always makes a way where there seems to be no way. And aren't we thankful to this wonderful God who always makes the rivers to flow in the desert. Though you may be in a trying time at this particular moment of time, though you may be at the crossroads of life, but always remember, if you have a heart to love God, He will always make a way for you. Somebody say a big amen to the Lord. And so the way for David was, David, build an altar. The amends of your life will be rectified when an altar is built. And so David was directed to go to Arona, the Jebusite, and to build an altar, to buy the threshing floor over. So in instructing David to build the altar, God had intention of meeting him there in worship. Worship is such an important part of our lives. Worship is not about singing. Worship is not about raising hands. Worship is about a heart-to-heart connection with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Worship is about communion. It's about 
leaning on the bosom of Christ and hearing His heart beat. We can never know Jesus, we can never know His heart until we are close enough to lie on His bosom and to sense and to feel His heart beat speaking to us. And that's the reason why it's so important for every child, every baby to be connected to the mother, to be closer to the mother, to hear the heart beat. And God chose to reveal His heartbeat through the avenue of worship. You will never know the heartbeat and the direction of God and the leadership of God upon your life until you find your home in worship. And so He came to Arona. There is something beautiful about the threshing floor of Arona. The threshing floor of Arona had both a rich history and a rich future. Second Chronicles chapter 3 and verse 1 tells us that the threshing floor of Arona was actually on Mount Moriah, the same hill where Abraham offered Isaac. This is a place of memory which David would immediately recognize. Because in times of old, the history of Israel is always repeated through the fathers. One of the instructions in the history of Israel is that the fathers will keep on repeating and telling their children what has happened to them from the day when God instructed Abraham to leave Ur of Chaldees. And this is where it is sadly missing from our modern homes. Not too many fathers today repeat the stories of Jesus to our children. And I am included, by the way. I'm not that faithful to relay the stories from the Word of God to my children. I've made some mistakes every now and then as a father. But I don't look back at my past. I continue to press in to the future and continue to believe God that whatever foundation I have laid in the past is strong enough for them to build their future. So when God directed him to Arona's threshing floor, God was actually reminding David, he says, look, it was Father Abraham's time that sacrificed Isaac. It was Father Abraham's time that I made the promise that your descendants will be like the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. It was a prophetic promise that God made with Abraham. And so when God directed David there, God is saying, David, remember. Remember. There will be moments in all of our lives that God will direct our minds to certain incidences where He has proven His faithfulness upon your life. And this is where you need to appreciate and to be grateful and thankful for those wonderful memories. Because that serves as your foundation where the goodness of God will continue to lead you on. Secondly, According to 1 Chronicles 21, verses 
18 to 22 verse 5. This passage tells us that the very land where this threshing floor was part of it also became the site of Solomon's temple. The very promise of the future that the temple will be rebuilt was at that very site where David was about to build that altar. It was a futuristic promise to David. David, you are not able to build the temple because much blood was shed from your hands, killing much battles he has fought. Because of the blood that was shed, you no longer can build the holy temple of God. But it is your future. It is your heir, Solomon, that is the one that is to build. What has God spoken to you about your future? Lay hold and believe God that He will, He will give you a good future. That He has a good plan. Plans that will not harm you, but plans that will direct you into paths of truth and righteousness. Though the road may not be all the time roses, but remember roses has thorns accompanying it. So praise the Lord that God reminded him of Abraham because it was during the sacrifice, the almost sacrifice of Isaac, his only begotten son, that he reveals himself as the provider. And today, this very evening, when you offer worship that honors God, he will demonstrate to you, he will show himself strong to you as the provider. I don't know what needs you are having right now as you are seated in this congregation right now. But I want to assure you that you are here not by coincidence. Even though this is your favorite service, you're not here by coincidence. God is assuring you that He's your provider. No matter how difficult, how challenging the times are for you, He says, I'm the Jehovah Jireh. I am your provider. And by the way, that particular passage about Abraham about to slay Isaac, his son, God revealing himself, the terminology, the usage of the term Jehovah Jireh came into being. He is our provider. He's also the one that has gone ahead, standing in the future, guiding and leading you by his hands. Praise the Lord. We thank God that He is a good God. But I'm also thankful that David did not take up the offer of Arona. What did Arona do? Arona recognized that he is the majesty, he's the king. Arona, being rich in his time, says, King, why would you want to buy? I have enough. Take it. Just take. What is here? In fact, take more. Take the oxen as well as your burnt sacrifice, as your offerings. But David did not take that free offer, which many of us would actually jump into it. Is it true? Anything free, good. <laughs> but sometimes the free stuff may not have the QC that accompanies the free gift. Yeah? 
Had Arona's noble offer been accepted by David, it would have been Arona's sacrifice, not David's. It was so crucial that David made the right decision. You see, he had already made the wrong decision by counting the fighting men and caused 70,000 to fall because of his stupidity, because of his insensibility. Now he's not about to make another mistake. He says, no way. No way. I'm very sure sometimes you forget to bring your purse and your wallets. And if your spouse is seated next to you, you would have actually asked your spouse, can you pass me some offering to give? My wife, once in a while, not very often, would do that. Stanley. I said, why? Left the wallet. So I opened my wallet, gave her some money, and so she gave. But what she has given in the offering was my offering, <laughs> not her offering. Always remember that in worship, what you offer must come from you and not from others. It must be your worship. It, is not, it must not be somebody's worship. It must be a worship where you do the sacrificing. In worship, it is necessary to make the sacrifice. The fact that you are here, you are sacrificing one and a half hours one hour and 45 minutes of your time. But to me, it's not a sacrifice. To me, it's an act of adoring. To me, it is a time that I set apart for my devotion to Him. It's my expression of faith and love to God. As far as I'm concerned, coming for a worship service is never a draggy situation. I love to be in the house of the Lord. And we ought to cultivate such kind of good habits to the house of God. In fact, I want to take this further, that when you come for a worship service, ensure that you are here early to prepare your hearts. Because you know why? A prepared heart prepares a good soil for the planting of God's Word. Come early, wait upon the Lord. Ask the Lord to steal your heart. I never, my wife knows this, I never like to rush into a service where, you know, your heart, you can actually literally feel boop, 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 boop. And now I am even more conscious. I'm wearing a wristband that can measure my heartbeat. Come early. Participate in every moment of the worship service. The moment the worship leader goes up there, it's the start of your worship service. It's not just the songs. It is not the sermon. In fact, even your giving is very much an integral part of worship. Don't take away the giving part. It says, oh, now it's offering time. No, it's not offering time. It's worship time. And that's the reason why you pay your tithes, but you give your offering. Whatever you pay is what you owe. You don't give your TNB bills. You pay your TNB bills because you owe TNB. Try not paying and you live in darkness. Yeah? You owe TNB to supply you. 
we owe God. And all He requires is one-tenth. One-tenth only. A lot, ah? Is it very difficult? No. Thank God we had this good practice of our children. When they were young, when they go to school, we give them a dollar and they would put aside in their little coin box. And when it comes to offering time, they tithe the offering that we give to them, the allowance that we give to them. And so as they grow older, as the allowance increased, they were able to increase the tithe. Can you imagine if there is no habit? Suddenly, lo and behold, you know, you have a big fat salary. How to depart with 1,000 ringgit as your type? You bite your nails. But when there is a good habit, you worship God with your tithes. And I dare believe to say this to you, if every member of the church tithes to his house, to God's house, the church and the house of God will never be in lack. I dare say to you, the church thenceforth will be able to buy everything, whether a future property, cash. Even though every member have said their pledges, not everyone tithes. That's a fact. That's a fact. Alright? So what happened? He didn't accept. And David did not look at the cheapest way possible to please God. Because he says, I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. I will not do that. I will not allow myself to be cheap in offering to God. And I hope and I pray that you will do the same. As you give your time and your talents to God, God will give back your time and talent to you. Amen. Praise the Lord. You take care of God's house, God will take care of your house. Looks like only my wife believes, uh, a few more in the front believes, the rest is like, you're not sure. If you take care of God's house, God will take care of your house. Amen. Amen. Increasing but still. Where there is true, strong love for Jesus, it will always cost us something. Because love is the costliest of all undertaking. It's the costliest. Because it costs Jesus to lift His throne. It costs Jesus to empty all His titles. In the book of Philippians, there is this passage that's called the kenosis of Christ, the emptying of Jesus. Who is Jesus? The Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and all the various different titles that is ascribed to Him. But when agreement came with Father God, 
for him to come to planet Earth to fulfill the salvation plans. He emptied himself of all the titles that's due to him. Take on the form of man. To be born in a manger. And by the way, all your Christmas scene of a manger are all bluff one. Because the real manger in the Bible is a smelly, stinking manger. In my 40 over years as a Christian, I've never seen a manger smelly and dirty. It has always been a clean manger. The reality is Jesus was born in a dirty place. Thank God for the kenosis of Christ. In order to understand where we come from, in order to understand our limitations, in order to understand our pain, our suffering. David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord at the altar. He offered burnt offerings, which were basically to atone for sin. When you participate in worship, these are the two offerings that you must bring along. Atone for sin and we must all admit and be fully transparent to God that we are all sinners and we are still sinners but saved by grace why am I saying we are still sinners because if you have a bad thought about somebody if you had an argument if you felt jealous of another individual if you have gossip and talk bad about someone we have sinned. True? And I'm included. Sometimes in my driving, when a misguided missile, and who is a misguided missile? A motorcycle. You know, he comes in from the left and he comes in on the right. And sometimes in my flesh, I say, sometimes these people, you know, need to meet with an accident, then they will know that they're coming in from the left and the right is endangering lives. So when I've done that, I've sinned against the Lord. So it is in these moments that we need to be highly sensitive to the convictions of the Spirit. Yeah? Like you wanting to beat the traffic light. Yeah? Maybe, you know, you're about to fetch me from the airport or send me to the airport and I'm late, you know, and, and you're beating the, the traffic light. And, and lo and behold, you know, as you pass the red light and there was a policeman right there. And the policeman asks you, Awak tahu apa kesalahan? Saya tahu, saya langga lampu merah. And then sometimes the policeman will give you a hint, so apa macam, apa macam, apa macam. But if you are a good Christian, you say, Encik, Minta maaf, boleh tolong. Then he says, Bagaimana saya boleh tolong? Bagaimana saya boleh tolong? And then if you are a good Christian, he says, Encik, saya tak boleh tolong. And then he will look at you grudgingly and he will start scribbling, scribbling, scribbling. And then finally, he lost his temper. He really write down everything. Take it. 
Now, this is a real story. My youngest son had just recently passed his driving test. And this, I'm talking about a story that is when he was only in Form 5, was it? Form 5. Right, Form 5. So he was, he was driving and, uh, and his friend called him and said, Hey, you left your, 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 your book in my house. And so he turned back to his house friend using my wife's car and then and he was like, uh, you know, checking his message while he was driving. And you know, the light from the, from the phone attracted a petrol car. So the petrol car stopped him. And the petrol car manifested the same attributes that I've just described earlier on. But my son says, Inche, saya pelajar, tada apa pawang, saya tak boleh bagi awak. So he, he issued. He issued my son with a summon. He didn't tell us, but we saw him going to his room, scrambling, scrambling, collecting all his savings to pay for the fine. To pay for the fine. So I thank God. I was very happy that he paid the fine and not bribed his way out from the situation. So burnt offerings are to atone for our sin. This evening, there are some things in our life we, we know and we are fully aware that we have sinned against God. And we have to be totally transparent to the promptings of the Spirit. If it is an act of rebellion, we must immediately ask God to help us to rectify the act of rebellion. If it is something that, is, that we are unaware, then what we do is we have to consistently fill our lives with God's Word. Because the Bible tells us that we are cleansed from the book of the Gospel of John. We are cleansed by His Word. Somehow there is a cleansing, there is a, uh, a cleaning effect of the Word of God upon our lives. The more we have God's Word in our life, the lesser sin resides. That's why we need to read we need to read His Word. We need to allow His Word to take residence. David said, I've hidden thy words in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So if you have not hidden God's Word in your heart, how can the Holy Spirit call to memory? The Holy Spirit can only call to memory what you have put in. If you have put in nothing, the Holy Spirit output is also nothing. Some students come and talk to me and say, Pastor, how come God never helped me in my exams? So my next question is, did you do your part in studying? And they remain silent for a long time. So I said, if you have not done your part to study, how can the Holy Spirit bring back memory. You put in zero, the Holy Spirit cannot put in hundred. The Holy Spirit can only bring back zero back to you. So what you input, God's Word, the Spirit will output to you in those situations. So it's very needful for us to fill our hearts with His Word. Day and night. Day and night. Alright? Praise the Lord. Peace offerings. Peace offerings 
are to enjoy, are offered to enjoy fellowship. Burnt offerings to atone for our sin. Peace offerings is to say, Lord, I am coming to you and I am now entering into communion with you. Alright? Communion with you. I don't know what's your attitude for a communion service, but I take communion very, very seriously because communion is a time of reflection. Paul even instructs us the attitude when we approach communion, that we examine our hearts. Yeah? We examine our hearts. Paul even reminds us, he says, we must confess our sins, known sins. Some have taken the communion and some have died. It's because they have disregarded the body of Christ. Now, I'm not saying that when you disregard communion in the month of April, you will die. I'm not implying that at all. I think the passage is telling us the attitude and the preparation of the heart more important than the judgment of God. Right? So, it's important for us now that we have burned offered burnt offerings, that we have made atone for our sins, that now we follow up with peace offerings to enter into fellowship with God. Yeah? The Bible tells us, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. So in other words, the initiation must come from you. The act, that, the act of worship that honors God must come from you. You must initiate worship in order for God to come to you. Amen. You must initiate, not God initiate. Some people will tell me, you know, if God is so big, you know, if God can be tested in the, in the labs, then I will believe in God. My friends, if God can be tested and God can be put into a test tube, I don't want to believe in my God. Because God is so small, isn't it? He can be pushed into a test tube. Why would I want to test God and make Him so small? I would rather say, God, I believe in You. I believe in You. Then the Lord will say, I will come to You. As You believe, I will come. I will come. We finally see the man after God's own heart turning the occasion of his sin and his punishment into an occasion of worship. So worship is the platform by which restoration, reconciliation and celebration takes place all at the same time. Amen? Reconciliation, restoration and celebration. So we celebrate our communion with God through worship. So as we raise our hands, we raise our hearts. Ecclesiastes says, our hands, as we lift up our hands, we are lifting our hearts before the Lord. So expressions of worship is very important when we are in an environment of worship. Be free to worship God. Be free to express your love to God. The Bible tells me that David danced before the Lord. David danced before the Lord. The king, losing his dignity, dancing before the Lord. 
He lost his dignity, but he was in total liberty in the spirit. My friends, be lost in worship. Be lost when your whole heart is given to worship. A story was told of Don Moen, who wanted to study about God. He's a pastor, by the way. He resides in Hawaii. And so he wanted to know and learn about God. And so he enrolled in Bible school in a theology class. After spending a couple of days in the theology class, he was so disappointed because he came out of the class so confused about God. Theologians have this great art of confusing people with simple truths. Truths that can be explained in one, two sentences, they will write a paragraph. So the key to understand the writings of theologians is don't read the paragraph, but read the last few sentences. And then you will have full understanding. <laughs> so Don Moen came back you know, to his home, very confused from the theology class. He went into his study, he took his guitar and he began to strum. I want to study about God, but I'm more confused about God. He strummed and he strummed and he strummed. And praise the Lord, the Holy Spirit gave birth to this wonderful song. I just want to be where you are, dwelling daily in your presence. I don't want to worship from afar. That song has blessed many hearts across the nations of the world. That song has blessed my own heart in moments of discouragement. As I go into worship, I find understanding. I find relief. I find peace in my own heart. So worship is a place of celebration. As your relationship is restored to the Lord, as God makes peace with you and you with Him, celebration takes place. And in a passage in 1 Chronicles 21-26, God showed His acceptance of David's sacrifice by consuming it with fire from heaven. The Lord answered him by sending fire from heaven to burn up the offerings on the altar. Praise the Lord. God always shows up when true worshippers worship Him in spirit and in truth. He always shows up. Amen. So that's the reason why we have to bear our hearts. In worship, there's nothing to hide. I like worship. Because in worship, there's no status. There's no status. All of us are equal in the presence of God. All of us come to God just as we are in worship. He meets us at worship. I pray that tonight, that as we pause, meditate, received the word and walked out from this auditorium that God would have given you nuggets about worship that truly honors God. That it is 
100% authentic worship that we give to Him, when we are fully aware of what's going on in our life, fully aware that we need to be connected to the Lord, that we need to amend our ways if we know that there is deliberate act of rebellion from our hearts, that fellowship offerings are to be offered in order to re-establish communion and fellowship. I pray tonight your life would change. I pray tonight that as you rest your head on your bed, there would be deep inner peace that will fill you because of a relationship that has been re-established and reconnected to the very throne room of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you tonight, Lord, that even as we bear our hearts before you, you know and you see us more than we know ourselves. Because you created us, Lord. You create us from the very dust of this earth and you breathed life into each one of us. I ask, O oh Lord, Father, that as we approach you in this final act of worship, as we pause our hearts, as we allow the Holy Spirit's search lights to pinpoint areas of our lives where we need to make amends, I pray that there will be humility. I pray that there will be honesty and integrity of heart. I pray the Lord that we would return and come back to you and offer you worship that truly honors your wonderful name. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I think I've spoken very honestly to your hearts this evening. I think God has only one message this evening for all of us and that He wants you back. The Lord wants you back. The Lord wants your fellowship. The Lord loves you so much that He's not willing to let you go the Lord is not willing to let you walk your own ways. But He wants you back. So this evening, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, and I pray that you will honour this very reverent moment. If you know deep down in your heart that you need to return to God, that you need to come transparently before the presence of the Lord. And you're saying to me, Pastor Stanley, the Lord have used you to straighten me this evening. Will you pray for me as you close? Will you uphold me with your prayers? If this is what you are saying, 
no one looking around, please. Will you just raise your right hand and say, Pastor, I need your prayers. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes, you, you can put your, down, your hands down. Once I acknowledge your hands, thank you so much. Yes, thank you, brother, right in the center. Yes, thank you. Anyone else? This is your moment with God. This is your moment because the altar that you are repairing right now is the seat that you are seated on. The Lord is repairing those altars. The Lord is rebuilding those altars. This is your moment with God. So don't let this moment pass you by without making an important decision to return to Him. Are there any more? You will say, Pastor, yes, thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you, yes, all the way back there. Thank you. Don't let this moment pass you by without making your connection with Jesus. Thank you, sister, all the way back. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. Yes, all the way back. The Lord wants your heart. The Lord wants your heart. Give your heart to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Bless these, my brothers, dear Lord and sisters who have raised their hands. As they set aside, Lord, these intimate moments, as they build an altar around their seats right now, Father, do the work of repair. Do the work of repair. If our altars are correct, let's just repair our altars. Let's re-establish communion with Him because He wants fellowship from us. He wants fellowship with us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.